Well, good morning. Welcome to Paradise Valley Christian Church. What a joy it is to come together as the body of Christ. So we just got a phone call, someone asking if we're meeting together, and I said, we sure are. And so uh, thank you for taking the time to, to come together. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 18. Before we get there, uh, again, we're going through a, a series of sermons uh, through parables through Matthew. So pretty simple title of the series, and we kinda, we're not hitting all of them, and we're using kind of the summer months to, to do some of that. And as, as we look forward to the fall, we're going to be kind of going through our uh, mission statement and uh, kind of what we're about as, as a congregation, what we need to be looking at uh, pursuing and those type of things when it comes to uh, the body of believers here at Paradise Valley. I had a great time yesterday uh, celebrating a ministry of Larry and Udana that continues on. And uh, we're so thankful for uh, Larry's and Udana's willingness to be a part of this congregation, to serve in ministry, do kingdom work for over 47 years. And uh, we're, we were just, uh, it was a joy to be a part of that yesterday. And so uh, I thank each and every one of you again for uh, making it a priority to put God first in your lives and to be a part of what's going on here at PV. Uh, we don't have it all figured out. We don't have it all put together uh, all the time, but we do desire for God to be working through us as a congregation. And so if you turn over to Matthew chapter 18, we're going to be looking at verses 21 through 35, and if you want to follow along in your scriptures, it's not going to be up on the screen in word uh, print form, but it's going to be up on the screen here in a little bit of a children's video form. So follow along in your scriptures, Matthew 18, 21 through 35, as we hear a little video on the screen. Stories of the Bible, the parable of the unforgiving servant. This is Jesus, who is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. While Jesus was on earth, he taught everyone about God's love and healed people from their sickness. He did many miracles like walking on water oh, hang on. and even raised people from the dead. One day, Jesus was talking with his disciples and teaching them when Peter asked, Um, Peter? How often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Jesus said, No, not seven times, but seventy times seven. Then Jesus told a parable. He said, The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to get his money back that he had let his servants borrow. While the king was doing this, one of the servants who owed him a million dollars was brought in. One million dollars, boy? The servant couldn't pay, so the king ordered that he be sold, along with his family and everything he owned, to pay the debt. Wait, please! But the servant begged the king, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his king was filled with pity for him and he let him go and forgave his debt. When the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. Uh, hi? Come here, you. He grabbed him and demanded that he pay him back immediately. Oh, wait, please. His fellow servant begged for a little more time. He said, be patient with me and I will pay it. No. But the servant wouldn't wait. He had
had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be punished until he had paid all that he owed. Jesus then said, That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Isn't that how it goes in life at times? We want to be forgiven, don't we? You know, if we mess up, we want someone to forgive us. But very rarely, if someone's wronged us, do we want to forgive others. And we live in a world right now where there are a lot of people in our government or in the media that we're upset with, to be honest. We want to see them punished for their actions. We want them to get what they deserve. They're no good, rotten people that are causing our world to be in chaos. And we have no desire to forgive them. Because they've wronged us. They have wronged our country. They've wronged the world. And we know that they don't deserve forgiveness, right? But what does the Bible say? What does Scripture say? As we look at these verses here in Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Or maybe it's a situation that's a little bit maybe closer to home. Maybe a little bit more personal. personal. Maybe someone, maybe a best friend has wronged you or a, a brother and sister in Christ didn't treat you the way that you thought you should be treated. Or maybe someone has wronged one of your family members. And that's really kind of gets under your skin. Time and time again, we face situations where we can choose to either hold a grudge or be willing to forgive no matter how many times someone has wronged you. And I pray this morning that we let go of our grudges. As I kind of line up sermons ahead of time, months in advance, usually uh, the title of today's message is the parable of the unmerciful servant. But if I was once again to retitle this message, I would call it, let go of your grudges. Let go of of your grudges. Will you pray with me? God, this morning I, I ask that if there's anything heavy on our hearts that we're holding on to, God, I pray that we just lay it before your throne. And God, as we dive into what your word speaks about through this parable, I pray that we would grasp how important it is to let go of our grudges, to forgive. And God, I pray that you would speak to us boldly through your word that it would be a message this morning that would encourage us and convict us, that it would help change us, and maybe for the very first time release us from what we've been holding on to. And it's the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. As I looked at down through this parable, I, I kind of, in my mind, was struggling or wrestling with two, two main things that are going on here. And the first is this idea of how often are we to forgive? And, and it's, that's addressed. And so we're going to look at that. And, and the idea of, well, why? Why do we even have to? 
And as you look at these verses, in the previous verses, in verses 15 through 17, Jesus is speaking about how to handle someone who has sinned against you, someone that's wronged you, mistreated you. And and he goes in those verses and speaks about how to go about trying to reconcile with those individuals. And, And starting in verse 21, of course, Peter wants to know exactly how many times a person must be willing to forgive someone who has wronged him. And I don't know if this happens to you in your house. Maybe it happened a long time ago in your house. But in mine, my kids will be playing downstairs, and they're having a great time. And you hear laughter, and and you hear conversation taking place, and then all of a sudden, you hear screaming, like just bloody murder screaming. And you think that someone's leg has gotten chopped off. And then pretty soon you hear someone say, it was an accident. I'm sorry. And then at times, from the basement, I hear someone say, in a crying, angry voice, I don't forgive you, which is usually when we call both of our children up and we begin our version of people's court, right? We, we get to be the judge and the jury all in one, and, and you know, for both children, as they're going through this, this struggle, you know, there, there's this idea of being sorry and asking forgiveness, and then at times maybe not being willing to forgive, and isn't that our mentality as adults at times? We, we hurt one another, and immediately we say, I, I didn't mean to. I, I'm sorry. It, it was an accident. But then we have a hard time being willing to forgive that other person. We kind of cross our arms, and we have a scowl on our face, and we say, oh, I don't forgive you. You hurt me too deep. But that's not what good, God's want. That's not what God wants. It's not spiritually healthy, and it's not even physically healthy. A study from Emory University found that bitter people had higher blood pressure and were more likely to die from heart disease than more forgiving people. And this could be due to something called a C-reactive protein, which has been linked to heart disease and stroke. When we experience negative feelings, which can be brought on by conflict, our bodies get ready, for, ready to fight. And, and then staying in that fight state for an extended period of time can increase the amount of the C-reactive protein in our bloodstreams, potentially increasing the likelihood of heart disease. And on top of that, prolonged feelings of resentment can also negatively impact metabolism, immune response, and organ function. Those feelings also put you at a higher risk of developing depression and anxiety. And study after study and article after article that I looked at online confirms what God has already told us in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. Ephesians 4 verse 32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. 
And you might be thinking, okay, well, I'm willing to forgive maybe once or, or twice, but I'm with Peter on this whole, how many times exactly do I have to forgive? You know, there's got to be a cutoff point, right? I mean, there's got to be a time where at some point you just say enough is enough, and I, just, I don't have to keep forgiving. So Peter asked the question in verse 21 of our, our passage today of chapter 18 of Matthew, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? You know, is seven times good enough? And in the Bible, the number seven represents completeness or perfection. And so for, for forgiving someone seven times, that would make sense that that would be like, that would be enough. That would be a reasonable number, right? Seven times forgiving someone? Well, in most cases, short of parenting, that is, that's a lot of times of forgiving someone. In fact, in parenting, that might just be an afternoon, right? <laughs> but in most cases, forgiving someone seven times is a lot, especially if we're talking about serious wrongs against us. And Peter thought he was being pretty generous and in a devotion by Rick Warren, he shares that in Jewish law, you had to forgive a person three times, and then that was it. You didn't have to forgive them anymore. How about if I double it and, and add in one for good measure, that would, that would be seven times. And Peter's thinking, man, uh, that's pretty good. God's going to really be impressed with this, isn't he? And Jesus says, Wrong. You're not even close. Jesus tells him it's not enough. Not seven times. He says 77 times, or in some translations, as you heard on the video, they say 70 times seven. And the exact number isn't really what Jesus is getting at here. Jesus is getting at the fact that when it comes to forgiveness, if you're counting at all, you're missing the point. When it comes to forgiveness, if you're counting at all, you're missing the point. What Jesus meant by this expression was that we ought to forgive others without limit. Without limit. You just keep on forgiving and forgiving and forgiving until the pain stops. And every time you remember that hurt, you make an intentional choice to say, God, that person really hurt me, and it still hurts. But because I want to be filled with love and not resentment, I'm choosing to give up my right to get even and wish bad on that person. I'm choosing to bless those who hurt me. God, I pray, I pray you'll bless their life, not because they deserve it, because they don't. In fact, none of us do. None of us deserve God's blessings. But God, I pray that you'd show grace to them like you've shown me. And it's not easy. In fact, I, I have no doubt that some of you this morning, your marriage is maybe about ready to self-destruct. Or, or you haven't talked to a parent in a long, long time. Because of hurt. 
Maybe there is some tension between you and your siblings, but whatever the case, I want you to think about this. It's actually not because of the hurt. It's not. It's because of the unforgiveness. It's not the hurt, but the refusal to forgive that destroys relationships. Let me say that again. It's not the hurt, but the refusal to forgive that destroys relationships. And you may say, well, I don't feel like forgiving. Who does? Nobody ever feels like forgiving. You do it because it's right. You do it because that's what God calls us to as believers, as followers. And, and you do it not once and not twice and not even seven times, but as, as many times as it takes. Jesus calls each and every one of us to unending forgiveness. And yet, it is only through God's power that this kind of forgiveness is possible. And so why? As you look at these verses, as you look at the parable, you, you wonder, well, why? Why do I have to? Why? What's the reason behind forgiving? And I, I thought about that, and I, I wrote down, because God said so. And maybe that's just the parent in me. I don't know. It's because God said so. In Colossians 3.13, says, Bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And so he tells this parable about a king who wishes to settle his accounts with his slaves. And one is brought before him who owes 10,000 talents, which is an obscenely large sum of money. I think if you were to do the math in today's terms with exchange rates and inflations as they are, this would translate to roughly a bazillion dollars, all right? A bazillion dollars. I mean, this is a lot, a lot of money on the kids' video. They just kind of brought it down to maybe a, a number that more of us are will, are hear about, a million dollars. But Jesus is ex exercising a hyperbole here. And this poor slave owes a tremendous amount of money, more money than any king in that time would have had. But at the same time, when faced with his debt, he gets on his knees and begs the king, saying, have patience with me. I'll repay everything, which, of course, he could never do. He, he could never repay his debt. This poor sap is a fool to think that he ever could repay the debt. But the king, perhaps seeing how much of a fool he is, has pity. And instead of doing what in those days he had every right to do, which was throw him in prison or maybe even taking an incredibly generous path and reducing the amount of the debt, the king simply forgives his debt. Just like that, the king wipes the debt clean. Can you imagine? Can you imagine owing someone even just a million dollars and then having that debt forgiven? To have it removed? 
I'm, I'm super excited when I go out to lunch with someone, and then they offer to pay, and, and then I try to pay them and back of what, what the meal costs, and they say, no, I got it, I, I got it covered. I mean, that, that makes me really excited. But to have a million dollars, I mean, it just blows my mind to be in debt, for one thing, a million dollars in the first place. But beyond that, I can't even begin to imagine what it would be like to have a debt like a million dollars just wiped out. And yet, that is what God did for us. By sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And we should treat others the same way God has treated us. You see, we owe God a debt that is far greater than anything we could ever repay. A debt caused by our sin. But God, in his grace, has forgiven us anyway. Not because we deserve it, but simply because of his love and mercy. Debt is one of those things that maybe you can't quite understand as a kid. You know, and as you hear as a child Jesus' words about forgiving debt, it, it doesn't really make sense, but as adults... You come to understand the power of those words. And the king forgives his debt, we're told, just like that. He has the power to forgive that. And the, the attention then turns to this slave who, who's received an almost indescribable gift of mercy. And, and the way he celebrates is by promptly going to find another slave who's in his debt, owing a much smaller some than what we than what he owed the king and in the video again it, it it brings some maybe real life numbers maybe a thousand dollars a couple thousand dollars was owed and he takes the slave by the throat and he says pay what you owe me and the other slave cannot and so the first throws him into prison, which was his right to do in those days. And yet, it doesn't feel quite right. Not to us. And I suspect not to the disciples listening back then. So the other slaves witness this and report back to the king who brings this unforgiving slave before him, tells him what for, and in anger hands him over to be tortured until he could repay this astronomical debt in full. You think about what that really would mean for that slave, that servant, to be tortured until he could be, the debt could be repaid, which in all reality would never be repaid. And then Jesus says, the same will be true of you if you don't forgive your brother or your sister from the heart. Your brother or your sister from the heart. Your fellow brother and sister in Christ. Your, your fellow brother or sister sibling growing up. May, maybe the, the individual you work with. The same will be true of you if you don't forgive those around you from your heart. And the mood has shifted quickly, hasn't it? It's like the calm before the storm. Instead of giving Peter a number to shoot for when forgiving someone, 
Jesus does what he does so well, and he turns the issue back on Peter. Turns the issue back on us. He reminds us, as someone put it, to be unforgiving is to be either forgetful or ungrateful. It's when we appreciate the mercy and grace and forgiveness we've received from God, but also from others in our lives that have shown that same godly forgiveness, that's when we find the strength, the strength to forgive others. And it's in that strength that we offer the same grace and forgiveness to those who've wronged us. These things build on each other. You see, mercy has a way of producing mercy. Love produces love. Compassion produces compassion. And forgiveness produces forgiveness. There is hope in the fact that because God was willing to forgive us, we too can forgive others. And Jesus indicates that forgiveness is it's not so much a checklist or a sticker chart or a final exam, but instead is about, an, is about ongoing discipleship. Maybe put another way, forgiveness must become a way of life. One illustration of this can be seen in the Amish community. Typically, when we think about the Amish, our, our first images are buggies and quilts and uh, uh, maybe jams or barn raisings or perhaps what we've gleaned from a reality television series. But an, an even better marker of Amish life and culture is, is seen in their practice of faith. Almost 14 years ago on October 2nd, 2006, Tragedy came to Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania, as a gunman entered the local school, leading to a hostage situation that killed five schoolgirls and left five others seriously wounded. It was a devastating time that rocked this small, close-knit community and brought about intense media coverage at the time. Almost as shocking as the violence, though, was the response from the families and the community of the victims. Some went to find the gunman's wife, children, and extended family, offering words of sympathy and love and forgiveness. As cameras and bright lights shone in field interviews and questions came from TV hosts, the refrain was similar. The Amish instead insisted that they forgave the gunman almost immediately. A few days later, the community showed up at the gunman's funeral and even reached out with financial support to his family. Several weeks later, they met with his wife and other members of his family at a local firehouse. In each of these and the relationship-building instances that followed, the Amish community modeled an authentic and powerful witness of what forgiveness looks like. It almost sounds too good, be, too good to be true, doesn't it? Almost inconceivable to, to even those of us who consider ourselves faithful Christians. 
we need to heed C.S. Lewis's instruction. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in us. And so in just a moment, we're going to sing a song of invitation. And I want to leave you with this. Hemingway, in a short story, tells of a Spanish father and a son who had stopped talking to each other. Things got so bad that the son left home, and after a few years, the father set out in search of his son so as to mend the relationship. He looked everywhere. When he came to the capital city of Madrid, the father decided to go to the newspaper office and take out a big ad in the newspaper that read, Paco, please meet me at noon tomorrow in front of the newspaper building. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. The next day at noon, when the father arrived, there were hundreds of men named Paco standing in front of the newspaper building. Is there a Paco in your life? Are you yourself a Paco? Remember this. The sins others commit toward us are always small compared to the sins we have committed against God. Yet God forgives us. Why should we not forgive others? And so ask yourself the question, who do I need to forgive today? Who has wronged me that I have been unwilling to forgive? Maybe it's a public figure. Maybe it's a media mogul. Maybe it's a neighbor, a fellow believer, a family member, or maybe it's even yourself this morning. Whoever it is this morning, please let go of that hurt and pain and allow God to heal you as you forgive this morning. And if this morning you feel like you're past, that you're past the point of forgiveness, if you're here this morning, thinking that you're way too far gone, that there's no way that God can forgive you, I want to remind you that God is the example of unending forgiveness. He wants to forgive you of whatever mistakes that you've made in your life. And all you need to do this morning is to trust in Him, to repent of those mistakes to, to allow God to, to come into your life as you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as you're immersed into Him, as you die to your old self, to be raised in newness of life for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. If that's you this morning, we ask that you come as we sing our song of invitation. Will you stand with us this morning as we sing together?